Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso with you as we continue our wrap-up of the winter football season for year 2022. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we managed to complete a full round of football, not only for the men's, but also for the women's. Tonight, we will be focusing on the season that was for the NPL New South Wales competition for the women's in season 2022. Joining us tonight, we have our football correspondent joining us once again, the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Bull. Great to be here. Yes, what a season we had once again in the MPLW. It was a fabulous uh, season once again. Twists and turns and even till the uh, final day, it went right down to the wire. And it's uh, about time that we gave it the credit that we gave the men's just a week ago. So looking forward to getting into uh, talking about it tonight. Not only that, but we are very excited to continue our very strong relationship with the Northwest Sydney Spirit Club. Dom, they've almost become our new favourite club at NPL, haven't they? Well, definitely here on uh, Triple H Sports, obviously the uh, the locality. There's a great relationship there. Myself have been out a couple of times and called a couple of games myself. So um, there's definitely a, a soft spot uh, starting to develop, that's for sure. Absolutely. And joining us here tonight from Northwest Sydney Spirit, uh, one of their absolute superstars in the competition, Sophie Harding. Good evening to you. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very happy to be representing North Sydney. And uh, I've got to say, Sophie, as well, not only is this your debut on Triple H Sports, but I believe this is your debut podcast. Yeah, first time doing a podcast. Pretty excited, Dom. actually. Well, you luckily you've joined the best podcast in the whole wide world for your first uh, edition. So uh, <laughs> you're uh, you're stepping up to the plate big big time for your first one. And 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 as we all know, Dom, we we always talk about the uh, the Triple H Sports afterburners, don't don't we? When you appear on here, your, your career goes to another level. It's actually it true though. The time. Then, if you're looking for a gig in uh, in media and. Uh, me being uh, Academy product number one um, can uh, attest to uh, where you can go from doing uh, this show and being on it and being uh, heavily involved. Not only that, but also on a sporting perspective, we've seen a few players um, and a few sports personalities come on here. And before you know it, they've gone on to big time indeed. So, uh, Sophie, I hope you're ready because as far as we're concerned, you appearing on the show just means you have now inherited the Triple H Sports Afterburners. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we, we are very excited for this podcast here. We've got all the teams to go through. Dom, we've got plenty of news and views to go through in terms of this competition as a whole. And then to go through Football New South Wales 1, who gets promoted into the competition for NPL next year, and to go through some of the issues that are happening with this competition because it has not been... Without its challenges, the NPL New South Wales women's. Yeah, absolutely. The 
main one obviously being the the starting at a later date uh, to welcome the players back. So getting in the schedule uh, from the obviously from the from the W League and getting the players in and uh, in and around and getting giving young uh, players the opportunities as well. It's not too dissimilar to the challenges the men's are facing as well. But I think uh, judging on the season that we've had, it, it, everything is pointing in the right direction. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, the referee is out in the middle now. In fact, I think it might be even Zoe Benjamin who's going to be refereeing this <laughs> game for us here today. Uh, the pocket rocket, um, always a, a pleasure to have her on. The assistant referees are in place and we are set for a start. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight. We're going through the competition that was for NPL New South Wales Women's for season 2022, the division itself. And we're going to go through each of the teams in alphabetical order, as we always do. And, Dom, we're going to start off with the performance of Apia Leichhardt, your your favourite team. Uh, we predicted them to be premiership contenders, and I'll tell you what, they went close. Yeah, real close. An excellent season by the... Uh... Uh, the women from Arpia, they had a, a wonderful season finishing second and uh, getting pretty close to going to a grand final too, obviously just uh, falling short. Um, they weren't uh, particularly close to the league leaders in Sydney University who had a, a monstrous year, but uh, second place is no uh, you know, sign of uh, being any kind of pushover inside this competition. They had a fabulous year. I'm actually going to, uh, well, have had, I should say, uh, an opportunity to play at Lambert Park as well uh, just the other day. So um, they're right in the, uh, I know, right in the, uh, um, I've had the chance to follow the team uh, and here and there um, throughout the season. So um, one of the, like I said, one of the, Great results of the year. You know, I don't think we uh, expect them to finish as high as they did, but to finish second was just uh, an immense effort. And, and Sophie, Arpia's real strength this year, the best attack in the competition, two and a half goals a game. And what an attack it was, headed up by um, Shay Connors, Rihanna Policina, and Sophie Hoban. Yeah, I versed Arpia as our first game of the season this year. And I just remember looking at the team sheet they had and thinking like, oh my God, this is a solid team. So I'm not surprised that they did as well as they did. But um, yeah, they have some excellent players. And uh, I think Rihanna Policino is really impressive. She's very, she can controls the attack very well and she's an excellent feeder of the ball. And yeah, their strike, like their strikers are great. Um, that was definitely their best asset, I would say, is their attack and to be able to score on transition. So, big threat. And how do you, how do you train for that? A team that, and I saw that against Manly United as well. A team that's just so good in transition, and it's not just sitting back and defending and then going on the counter. It's it's picking the ball up in midfield and then just turning and into attack immediately. Yeah, it's just being able to do things quickly. Like when teams are exposed and they've all bombed on forward and you win the ball back, like that's where you, the team's most vulnerable. And if you can capitalise on that and go really quickly, which they do very well, then you're going to be very dangerous. Dom, the other thing that really surprised me with, with Arpia as well was actually their discipline. No red cards, which you'd kind of hope you do, but only two players getting three yellow cards throughout the season. And it, it just meant that they had a great deal of consistency in their team all year, knowing they had to make very few changes week on week. Yeah, I think that 
speaks volumes of not just you know the discipline in terms of uh, bringing a player down or or overcommitting in a challenge, overexerting yourself, but just discipline across the entire park, right? You know they were excellent up front. They didn't concede too many goals either throughout the season. That kind of discipline, obviously, we're referencing the the discipline in terms of the um, the yellow and red cards, but that you know discipline can kind of be uh, or can kind of epitomise the discipline that they showed this season and where and where they got to. And it, you know, you're never going to um, win a season when you when you're ill disciplined, right? That if you're giving away too many free kicks, too many penalties, too many set piece opportunities, teams will punish you at this level. And we saw it time and time again. So to be so well drilled in that aspect is always going to be beneficial for any team at any level. The other thing that makes Arpia an absolute force, Sophie, to come is their depth throughout the competitions. They haven't just got out and bought a first-grade team. They've actually developed their, their system all the way through. Their reserve grade finished third. Their under-18s finished fourth. This is a club that's now got the foundations to be a solid women's club, along with being sort of one of the premier men's clubs. Well, we mentioned yeah. – f- oh, sorry, Sophie, you go. Yeah, no, they definitely are a club with a lot of depth and you can see um, that usually their first grade bench always had like a lot of the reserve grade players on it as well. So that's good news. I was going to say Caruso, that's um, we mentioned a few years ago, the investment that the club had made into the, um, the women's game and, you know, and they've gone from strength to strength year on year. And especially I think with the city, it's uh, very important to have that structure from beneath them to be able to fill in when they lose those top grade players or um, through injury or through uh, representative duties. We now move on to our next team is the Bankstown City Lions. And Dom, here's a team that we, here's one of two teams that we gave absolutely no hope to. In fact, we predicted <laughs> yeah. them to finish second last in the competition they defied all expectations, and they actually they got off to an absolute flyer, and then faded away towards the end of the season. But you know there were two acquisitions in particular that caught everyone by surprise. Yeah, two um, you know acquisitions and two of your uh, your favourites uh, in the NPL competition, uh, Caruso in uh, Daisy Arrowsmith and Emma Stanbury. Um, who helped them go up to a pretty credible finish of sixth place. I think they probably had a um, a, a great season at the start, probably because people like us, Caruso, uh, know-it-alls, um, gave them yeah. little to no hope for the season and uh, really surprised a few with the way that they were playing their football. And then I think in the back end, the teams probably started to give them the respect that they deserved and then they maybe didn't quite have the legs, but the work they did in the big season start was what got them into this position and they'll only grow from here and, you know, that'll, and the result themselves will, will grow the game of football in the Bankstown area, which is extremely um, big anyway, that Bankstown uh, Canterbury area when it comes to football, one of the biggest in the district, you'll get more women playing and more, um, opportunities for the club to to pick new talent and, you know, put them on the radar as well. Fabulous season from them. You know, you do have questions whether or not, um, you know, they'll be afforded that same um, complacency from some of the other teams next season. But 
credit to them. Um, they picked up the results uh, when they needed to. They finished with a positive goal difference, which is always uh, a great sign for any club looking to build some consistency. And they deserve to be in this competition next season again. One thing we did notice, Sophie, from this from this team, we, we spoke about Arpia having a very excellent um, discipline um, record. The same couldn't be said for Bankstown. In fact, they're the only club that had multiple players picking up multiple red cards. Um, and, and we mentioned Emma Stanbury, a, a brilliant player as she is, but you know, a victim of probably some of her her own temperament picking up multiple, picking up two red cards along with Paige Haywood and Tiana Jabir. This is a team that really wanted to stamp their authority. And it pro- it's probably what hurt them towards the end of the year is that instability cause of those, that discipline. Um, I feel like that's always been the case with Bankstown. Like they've always had a lot <laughs> of poten- potential. Um, but you know, when you go to Bankstown and you play against Bankstown, it's going to be a rough game. Like you just know it. And like sometimes your coach will even say to you, like, don't fall into like, you know, the talk backs and like everyone getting really heated. I think like, yeah, they, I would agree. They probably lack discipline in some areas over the field, but like, it was really good to see um, their improvement this year. Like they definitely, I would say stamp their authority in the competition. And I don't think teams will be taking them lightly in years to come. The only worry you've got, for them, Dom, though, is is their depth, as we mentioned before. Um, their reserve grades finished ninth. Their under-18s finished eighth. Probably not too far off, but the worry for me is that goal difference. It's not so much where they position, it's how bad that goal difference is compared to how their first-grade team went. Yeah, look, they've got some work to do, right? They're, 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 you know, like I said, a club that's building – and, you know, they're trying to stamp their authority, you're going to get these teething issues. And, you know, they are going to struggle for depth to start with. But, you know, seasons like this where they finish strongly and finish just outside a a top five finish um, will will put them, you know, in in good stead for the years to come. My question is is that, you know, how are they going to handle this next year when – there's probably a little less pressure on them to – sorry, there's more, excuse me. There's more pressure on them, I should say, to perform because of the place that they finished in this season and being able to replicate that year on year. We now move on to the Blacktown Spartans. And for mine, Dom, I thought that they were one of the big disappointments this year. We thought they were going to finish mid-table. They finished third last. In fact, if you exclude the two academy teams, probably the worst finishers of in the um, in the competition. And, you know, they're big issue. We said last year it was, it was a problem. It became more apparent this year. They just can't score goals. Well, you know, that's obviously a problem and you can't keep them out either, which is uh, an even bigger problem. It's an interesting one because for mine, as you know, I'm uh, not the biggest fan of the uh, the feeder clubs being in these competitions. Um, I've mentioned it many a time on this show about having the uh, the junior sides in a, in the adult competition in, the, in the, what should be the second best competition in Australia. So for me, this is this is last place. Right, they may finish third last on the table statistically, based and you know phonetically based on who's in the actual table. But for me, this is last. You know, if you're not if you're finishing below those above those two other teams, that that like the Institute and the Emerging Jets, like you have you have to do that, right? That's 
those those teams are there for the experience, not to win competitions. So for Blacktown, this is a, a really, really disappointing season and um, across the board. And a, a few of their sides weren't too crash hot across the whole entire organisation this year um, for the, the Western Sydney club. So, look, they'll be better next year, you'd think. Um, but they will need to make some uh, uh, some acquisitions, I think, um, in the off-season to uh, really strengthen the squad. There was one shining light, Sophie, from this from this team. It was the performance of Ashley Croft, um, who scored nearly 40% of the goals for the team, though. And this is, a, this is a girl who seems to carry herself year after year despite the dwindling quality at Blacktown Spartans. Yeah, um, I think that our main thing when we played them was we knew Ashley Crofts had pace and she had the ability to score goals. Um, yeah, you, I think you put it in good words. Definitely a shining light of the team. Um, we were lucky them both times. But, yeah, I agree with you guys. I definitely reckon they might need to do a, a bit of recruiting to get maybe a few more leaders in the team to get the attack going or – yeah, create more chances, but definitely a hard-working squad and definitely a lot of potential. We now come to the emerging Jets. And, Dom, if ever there was a case to be made about the academy teams not competing in NPL New South Wales, the emerging Jets is case in point. I'm pretty sure now this is their fourth consecutive wooden spoon and the performers just keep getting worse for this squad. Yeah, there's... um. I mean, I'm. I don't want to, you know, again, beat a dead horse here, Caruso. But the junior squads being in an adult competition, I just don't think it's the best, the best experience. I don't think you should be throwing in blotches of of teenagers to compete with, you know, semi professional athletes, semi professional professional athletes, right? Um, there is an there's a gap. There's a clear gap there, right? And you know, I don't know what the answer. I know what the answer is, but I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> I've said it a trillion times before. Um, that um, you know, it, 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 it. I don't see where they get the experience from getting flogged every week, right? Look at the goal difference. You know, under reserve grade was under 50, minus 50. Under 18s, minus 75. Merging jets, minus uh, in the first grade was minus 62. I mean, there's no, there's no experience in that. There's no love in getting walloped you know by on average of you know four or five goals a game that just to me is ludicrous um you know there's some really good players in this squad um uh, i i have called claire adams a game against uh manly united um earlier this year and she's an absolute star like head and shoulders above even some of the players in the division from what i saw just real quality and but, you know, who's in a side that's getting smacked every week? Like, where's the confidence? How do you keep players staying in this competition if they're going to get, you know, <laughs> flogged every week? I just don't see where there's any kind of positive experience or outcome from that. But, you know, that's that's my personal opinion on it. And, and Sophie, the other issue that we've got with the Emerging Jets, and we'll come to the other one, the other academy in a moment, is that these two teams are fixtures, are, are fixed in this competition itself. Unlike in the men's competition who are allowed to get promoted or at least allowed to get relegated, 
This is a team that three years ago should have been relegated and they're still here. Is it time that Football New South Wales pulled the trigger? Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that individually there are some amazing players on that team, but collectively it's very hard for them to compete because sometimes the most important players on the team are like the older ones who've been there for years and drill the team and keep it going. But because they're all so young, I think they really struggle with like the physical side of things and the leadership side of things to keep the team going. But yeah, like I guess it's, it's quite un, almost a little bit unfair that they are able to continue to be in the league and show up every year, regardless of performance, because like, yeah, other teams do have to worry about relegation, whereas they don't because they're fixed in it because they're young. But yeah, like you say, I guess you can't just continue to lose and, um, not get any consequences from it. We then move on to the other academy team here, Don. We won't go on to it again because, as you said, we're flogging a dead horse at this point. <laughs> uh, but the Football New South Wales, the Football New South Wales Institute, at least have had some credibility in this competition. And indeed, when you go through the lower grades, are incredibly strong. They they won the reserve grade competition. They won the under 18s and they do have a knack of uncovering future superstars. I have no gripe with them uh, being entities. They're really important entities for the growth of football in this country and the growth of talent. Uh, uh, but my gripe is that I don't think that putting a side into the all-ages division is what is the best way of giving these players experience. I think these two clubs should be feeder clubs for the entire competition. Make, I mean, I'm thinking up on the spot here, I'm spitballing around, you know, a draft, being able to, like, go players go, okay, we're ready to take it, we want to sign on as a club, and then they, the next person comes along the production line. Something along that lines. I know that the New, New South Wales Institute had a, a strong season this year too. I watched them play a couple of times. They're, you know, they're, they're good sides. They're both both the teams we're mentioning are good sides. They just don't have the experience to be playing at that level. Um, so this is where it, it becomes difficult, right? Because not only have you got two sides who are just getting kind of beaten every week pretty convincingly, that what it does to them personally, but then from the from an opponent perspective as well, like you've got you kind of just two non-fixtures each week. So I, I don't know, I just. Oh, I'm trying to, you can hear it in my voice, Bull. I'm just tired. Yeah, talking I know. About, tired I know. Talking about it. <laughs> so there are two. There are two superstars that have been uncovered by the institute this year: Sienna Saveska and Mary Stanick Flutie, scoring two thirds of the goals between them. Uh, and, and you can, I can imagine these two teams being snapped up by NPL New South Wales or even the A League Women's. Yeah, like I definitely think the concept is right. Like it's good to have so many talented youngsters in the same environment growing together but yeah at what point maybe do they sort of go off and go into other teams um to develop a little bit more around older players i think that's a probably a really good idea but yeah they definitely had some really strong individual this individuals this year institute we then move on to our last team before we go to our break it is the illawarra stingrays Dom, we predicted they were going to just miss out on the top four they came eighth and they missed out by 10 points. And the only thing I could say about their season this year is average. Yeah, it wasn't the year uh, for the Stingrays, was it? Um, They just didn't quite have the punch when they needed it. 
and they also just didn't quite have the steel um, when required. They, you know, had a, a relatively, you know, strong year, but we probably look at things like discipline that let them down. Um, you know, Sherrod Gallagher finishing up with the most yellow cards of anyone this season, just eight, you know, um, which is quite quite a lot. <laughs> you know, you think about it, that's, uh, that's like three games you've missed almost uh, through suspension. Um, and you also look at things like their goal difference and the goals that they've scored, um, you know, finishing on minus two, which means they weren't really conceding and they also weren't really scoring either. So it, you kind of always at that, that precipice really of kind of like what's going to take to get to that next stage. And, but also at the same time, it's like, how long can we hold on for just being like this, right? Until maybe some other clubs start to, to make the step up below us. And, Sophie, we've seen that, you know, clubs to succeed, they need to show development. And it looks like Illawarra have just done no development whatsoever. And they've continued to rely on the likes of Michelle Carney, Kayla Austin and Alicia Muranonen. Um, But as we know, if you're standing still, you're going backwards. Yeah, Illawarra are a team where, like, on their day, can like can punish teams, like, very, like, very good. But, um, yeah, I guess consistency maybe not the strong suit and yeah like Michelle Carney comes back each year and kind of is a bit of a driving force for them so um yeah I guess they probably do need to look to develop and move forward a little bit more as a club but yeah well with that ladies and gentlemen we're going to take a break and when we come back we'll have the second half of our wrap-up of NPL New South Wales women's for season 2022 you are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby-Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events, special entertainment and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby or get in touch on 94777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL, 
proud station sponsors of Triple H, 100.1 FM. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby Coringai area, The Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, The Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, The Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street Hornsby. Call them on 94777777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL, station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony Caruso back with you with Dom Rizzuto and our special guest Sophie Harding from Northwest Sydney Spirit as we wrap up the season that was for NPL New South Wales Women for the year 2022. We've just been through the first half of teams. We're now going to crack straight into the second half of the teams. And Dom Rizzuto, we now get to our champions, our grand final winners. Not the team that came first, the grand final winners of the competition, the MacArthur Rams. Yeah, what a season for MacArthur. Um, finished in third, inside that top four, um, and then just played brilliant football uh, to get themselves to the grand final. At the end, it was uh, it was the it was their side of the coin that uh, won the penalty shootout um, against the Northern Tigers in a close one um, after you know 120 minutes of, of no goals. But what an incredible season um, for MacArthur as the let's say the setup uh, down there in the southwest just continues to grow. And Sophie, knowing the the style that they play, very similar in terms to. Uh, Bankstown City, they're a physical team. They're going to get in your face. But what they have compared to Bankstown City is that polish. It's that clinical nature when they when they defend. There's nothing rough. There's nothing dirty about it. They're just a very, very good team at being physical. Yeah, I'm a very big fan of this team. I actually think that they have a very good culture there despite, yeah, like you said, like sometimes – a, a more physical style of play, but you can tell that they have a really good team um, that they're building there. And um, yeah, they could be really hard team to play against. They're very well disciplined and they're great at finishing their chances. So you can barely give them an inch, but yeah, they were really good this year. And I think that 
I actually think they really deserve the win despite it being penalty shootout. The, and Dom, this is a team that's oozing talent here. Laura Muta, Lena Kamas, Miku Sunaga, and probably the player that really shone in this competition and showed really what some of the A-League women's clubs are missing in Patricia Shara Lambus. Yeah, all four players had fantastic seasons and one that they'll be incredibly proud of and impressed with. And it's that kind of experience, which again goes back to my point that we spoke about in the first half, that is the difference between sides that can win the competition and the sides that are just there for the for the the game time. Uh, MacArthur is stacked with experience. Um, Does it have the the depth and the strength that someone like Sydney University had this year? No, probably not. But um, what they do is have a togetherness and a cohesion about them that is just so hard to break down. And with a good kind of spine of players, they are really... um, They really set themselves up for uh, what was going to be a good year and, and prove that. Uh, come the uh, the final whistle of the 2022 season. We then move on to the other team, Dom, that I thought was a real surprise packet this year was Manly United. You and I actually death rode them for <laughs> bottom four, and they finished a very credible seventh. I can't believe we death rode our own team, um, but maybe that was uh, maybe it was a bit of reverse psychology. Uh, they had a great season, Manly. Obviously, I've had a a great time calling them in what I thought was the game of the season at North Taramara Recreation Centre oh against the Northern Tigers uh, when they uh, they drew 3-3 three, three, um, with a last-minute free kick. They were down a player two. There was a send-off. It was a real um, it was a real derby match. Um, they had a fantastic season. They probably, I think, in the end, probably finished where they did, where where we the the highest they probably could finish. Um, they had some changes in the squad throughout the year. There was, you know, they there was uh, they lost a few key players as well, as we mentioned a few times um, throughout the year, and they did well to to compete with the best. But and of course we we do uh, have to uh, make mention of their incredible record of draws um, that they had, you know, and that's one thing they'll probably look back on and think, you know, let's say fifty percent of those maybe a bit disappointing, sorry, got lucky with, and they'll take the point. But the other 50%, you're probably thinking, oh, we really missed an opportunity there to to claim some some good th- the good three points. And Sophie, this is a team that has managed to redefine itself after the, uh, the, the hasten years of the last couple where they did pick up a couple of premierships with a team stacked with A-League women's talent. This year around, I don't think, I think there was only two players left in the team that had A-League women's experience and the rest of them sort of coming up through the ranks. And all of a sudden, that cohesion was back. Yeah, I think we drew with Manly both times we versed them as well. So, Oh, there's two of the draws. (laughs) There's two of them. Um, But yeah, no, Manly always just seemed to be able to hang in there. I think that they have like a pretty solid group of girls and they have a like a pretty good culture being a pretty good culture there and I think throughout the season like they probably did like you said like consistency I guess and struggled to get keep a win when they had it um but yeah I guess you got to give them credit as well because 
draw when you're down shows good game management as well. So, um, yeah. There's a couple of players we need to make mention, Dom, that I think are going to be absolute stars. I mean, Emily Manette and Maddie Zara had very solid seasons this year. Caitlin Jarvie, her experienced self, and she's been rewarded with a position in the futsal ruse uh, for the upcoming Women's World Cup. But two players that come to mind um, in particular, first off was their Japanese import, Yuka Honda. We didn't get to see a lot of her, Dom, but what we saw of her was incredible up front. And the other one is a young superstar in Siena Dale, who is in the under-18s, the golden boot, even managed to get a couple of goals in the reserve grades, and they're talking big things about her. Yeah, Yuka Honda didn't get many opportunities that she probably would have liked, uh, um, the Japanese import. But when she was on, she she was a real good weapon for the Manly, uh, a different kind of um, player, um, very strong, quite powerful, uh, good good running with the ball, good in the air, which is a difficult proposition uh, to deal with when you're a centre-back. And, look, I didn't get to see much of uh, of, of the youngster coming through, um, but by all reports, as you mentioned, uh, Caruso, uh, she's going to be uh, probably in the first-grade squad next season. I, I imagine she could go very close to it. And and so if you might have seen her coming up through the ranks um, uh, throughout the your time playing. She's only a little girl, Sienna, but, jeez, she knows where to put herself, and she's got a mean right foot as well. Yeah, Manly are very well known for bringing young talent through the ranks, so I'm excited to watch her play more. I think that sounds really we then move on to our next team, which is the, the Northern Tigers. Dom, this is a team that out of nowhere has now placed itself as one of the powerhouses of the competition. They did it again this year. We expected them top four. That's exactly where they finished. They made the grand final with the upset of the year, knocking over Sydney University. Just couldn't get the job done in the grand final, but the Tigers can be very proud of their season. Yeah, great season um, from the Tigers. They were... Um, a force to be reckoned with throughout the year. Um, as you mentioned, they got that um, surprise victory over the uh, minor premiers, the Sydney uh, University team, as um, they excuse me, as they marched towards the final. You know, didn't quite get there, but it, what a season! Uh, players such as uh, you know, Ashley Brodigan, Hannah McNulty, and Matty Bart were incredible for them this year, and they've got you know great pace and great depth at the back. Um, I imagine that they'll be back with a vengeance next year to try and take out uh, uh, the title. Uh, we know that there won't be a final setup, so they'll be aiming for that uh, top tier spot. You, you, you screaming out McNulty turning and shooting in the in a couple of those games, <laughs> mate. That that got you a little excited. Oh, um, I mean, whenever there's good, someone, whenever someone name. has a crack at goal, mate, I'm I'm always excited. Right, right. It's a good football name as well. It is. It's a very kind of like, kind of like Scottish Premier League kind of vibe, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Championship Premier League, Championship English side. McDowsey. (laughs) (laughs) And Sophie, it's so good to see these really good rivalries now building up in this competition, and the one between Northwest Sydney Spirit and the Northern Tigers is really starting to take hold as one of the premier rivalries in the competition. Yeah, the Northern Tigers were like surprised me a lot this season, to be honest, because I guess you wouldn't say that straight off the bat they have any massive names or renowned names, but yeah, they had a very good team. 
and they worked very well together and you can tell they had a pretty good culture. So I think that that's what the, helped them through the season and got them to the finals. We now move on to your team, Sophie, and unlike the previous ones, you're going to be you're going to be taking us straight off the back here, Northwest Sydney. Uh, we have to say, it, we thought that there was it was going to be a battle for them, uh, finishing looking probably about the bottom four. However, the best, the big thing about them was the real improvement from Northwest Sydney this year, uh, and in particular, not only yourself but Talia Macri, Morgan Roberts, and Rachel Patterson. Your attack really came through and to the point where you really did scare quite a few teams. Yeah, I think we went through a lot as a group and as a club this year. I think we started off really badly and then that sort of threw our like our culture around a little bit. Like everyone was really frustrated and angry, which then affected our performance some more. Um, so it took Tiana coming in, our new coach, I think, to just give us a new, fresh, clean start. And I think that, from round two, we actually showed teams like what we could, what we can do and what a threat we are. And some of our performances were really good. And like you say, like once we got our groove on and yeah, I think our attack came together and we have a very, very good culture at our club. And I think that's what keeps core players coming back. And yeah, I'm just excited to build with this club because I think that, yeah, we have great players, but definitely areas we need to tighten up and maybe even recruit uh, maybe a few players as well to help us, um, yeah, fix up a few things. And you speak to that culture. You speak to sort of what's been brought in with in terms of the players and in terms of the coaching stuff. We saw it with the men's, with David per- um, Perkovic, um, seeing Northwest Sydney really build up, earn promotion, win the Waratah Cup. Tiana Gauchi just seems like it's been such a positive influence on the club that all of a sudden there is a, a sense of belief in the players again. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, even just training became, we merged with our reserve grade girls, which automatically just brought a better culture around and like made our first grade spots maybe didn't feel so solid. Like we had little really good reserve grade players breathing down our necks, which is what you want. And, um, yeah, I think that it created an environment that's closer, more friendly. So then we ended up um, showing that in our performances. And I guess, like, if you don't love your teammates, like, you're not going to be able to perform with them. So I think that once you get that love and that culture, I think our, our performance has definitely improved. Well, you've been very cordial with everyone there so far. But as as Dom can attest to, we are we are all about here about throwing someone on, under the bus here. So surely out of that entire unit, there's someone you've got, to, you've got to be shaking your head at and just go, you know, I love you, but seriously, I, I can't. I, the the, the off-season couldn't have come soon enough. <laughs> no, it'll have to be one of my best mates, Sunny Franco, because she left us three games early to go home back to Brisbane and we won those three games. So she was our bad luck charm the whole time. <laughs> Pretty good. That's good. <laughs> Sunny Franco, if you happen to be listening in, you're going to have to have a response to that now. Oh, so, I, I didn't uh, even give her a pre-warning, so. <laughs> Cop that. Cop, oh, I think you're off her Christmas card list now. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, look, as good as a player she is, that's that's gold. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she's great. She knows how I think of her, but, you know, left us too early. <laughs> Dom, I think I think uh, you or I are going to get two-footed by by Sunny before you know it. Well, you first, probably. 
Me first. Yeah, that'd, that'd be right. That'd be right. Uh, Sydney Olympic we now come to, Dom. And I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say what I completely want to say because it's going to be taking the. But the administrators of Sydney Olympic women's team tried to do just that with this competition, and I couldn't be happier that it came back to bite them. <laughs> I mean, where do we begin? Um, they, I don't know I just. Lost for words, Bull. Lost for words. Um, they, you know, seven matches over three weeks is just far too much for anybody to do, um, even for the best athletes in the world. And it just turned into an absolute disaster for them in the end. And they could have made top four if they didn't, if they didn't uh, kind of botch their scheduling and their um, and their squad. I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. They, they, for those who don't know, they shoved all a whole bunch of the games from the start of the season to the back end of the season because they complained about the loss of players from A-League women's in and, re- and representative duties. They were allowed to do so, and they ended up in a situation where they had to play seven games over three weeks. They lost their last two matches to miss out on the finals by two points. You just I mean, I karma has, has struck them, and we're talking about... Fernando Alonso, Jolian Palmer level karma. <laughs> so, and and Sophie, this is a team that are not lacking in talent either, with the likes of Charlie Rule, Sarah Yatam, and Claudia Shalakian in this lineup. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a very big fan of that. I think that if you if you recruit that many W League players, you have to be able to play without them like you know that they're not going to be there for the start of the season so like we played without ours like everyone had to so yeah I guess like you said if it come back to bite them it then it has but yeah I think they had a very strong side this year it was very difficult playing against them um I I definitely thought they would have made top four so not seeing them make it was a shock but yeah like you said I think that playing that amount of games in such a short period of time definitely would have had its effects. And this is another team. This is a team, Dom, that, you know, we talk about established clubs trying to build up a women's program, doing it the right way. Sydney Olympic have gone about it pretty much the wrong way. And you you just need to take one look at their reserve grade and their under 18s who put in some pretty dismal, dismal performances for a club that expects um, excellence. Yeah, look, it just wasn't a good year in general uh, from a Sydney Olympic perspective, was it? Um, apart from, obviously, the uh, the final of the Australia Cup, that is uh, on its way. So that's where, obviously, all the focus is going. But, yeah, I just – I think I've got to agree with Sophie there. Like, you know, it's it, – you can't, you can't go around and demand uh, fixture changes because you can't compete – because you haven't got this player ready and you haven't got that player on this day and so on and so forth. I'm like, this isn't this isn't Div 12 Marrickville. This is MPLW. This is the second best competition in the in Australia. You cannot be picking and choosing when you want to play. Absolutely. We then move on to our last team in alphabetical order. It is Sydney University. Uh, we said that they were going to be a chance of a premiership, uh, and Dom, they ended up taking it. I don't think anyone expected how, I guess, 
tactically they would take the premiership. Yeah, they were incredibly dominant, weren't they, um, this year? And they were incredibly dominant with the teams um, in reserve grade and under-18s as well, both finishing in second place. I had the pleasure of calling them actually a day where they were missing majority of their stars and their uh, reserve grade and under-18s made the step up to face Sydney Olympic, uh, funnily enough, in a in a 1-0 game win for the, for university. You know, it was a, it was a bit of a... Um, it wasn't the most enthralling game, but it just showed the depth and uh, quality that um, Sydney Uni had at their disposal. They obviously fell short in the uh, finals period. Perhaps the week off kind of killed the momentum a little bit. Um, I'm not too sure, but, I mean, what a season. They were, they were so strong and so much better than everyone else until when it kind of mattered, and they didn't quite get there. But, uh, you know, player of the year, roller, Batawaya um, was emphatic in front of goals for them. And uh, if they can keep her uh, on the books for next season, I have no doubt that they'll be going back to the uh, the summit. And Sophie, this is a team that, you know, throughout the season, where, where do you look for for a weakness? Because really, what and what was it that Northern Tigers discovered about Sydney University that no one else had managed to discover all year? Well, I think the thing with this team is you could just tell they were so well coached. Like their defensive discipline, they were extremely hard to break down. Um, yeah, you wouldn't look necessarily at their lineup either and be like, oh my God, so many big names. But they were so well coached and you could tell that. I felt really bad for Sydney Uni actually when I watched the semi final because they had been so consistent all year. And um, yeah, I just don't. I think that they, after conceding a few goals, it might have shocked them a bit because they'd been so on the the win all year that maybe they let their style of play crumble after that, and then it sort of just went downhill from there. But I, yeah, I think think they were a really good team throughout the whole year and a very hard team to play against. So credit to them. Yeah, absolutely. And Dom, there is, you know, you think you're done with Sydney University, and then you look through the reserve grade in the under 18s, and you just think, oh my god, there's more of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's uh, it's endless, isn't it? Um, but that's what we want, right? Yeah. We are a quick mention of the Football New South Wales League One competition. Uh, the teams getting promoted from that to NPL to make it two equal competitions of 14 teams. Uh, the first one really is no surprise, Dom, in the Glazeville Ravens, uh, who took the competition by storm to win it. And it was off the back of their incredible attack this year. Yeah. Uh, amazing uh, performance from the, uh, the Ravens this year. Their attack was uh, uh, immense uh, at a six point lead over uh, Hills United in the end. Um, just uh, quality performance um, from a side that, uh, you know, I don't think uh, we would have predicted to be uh, uh, potentially coming up to uh, this uh, uh, year's, uh, the new year's, I should say, um, MPLW competition, but we're looking forward to seeing him there. And indeed, Sophie, it's one of your old teammates, Gemma Woolley, who's had a bit of a renaissance since moving down to Gladesville. Yeah, she's actually a really good friend of mine, Gemma. I think like I was seeing her goals on her story every week and it was really good to see her back in form. She's definitely such a talented player, but I think maybe the move down would have definitely just helped her confidence score goals. And yeah, she's, she's an amazing player and she 
definitely gets herself in great positions to score. So I'm very excited to see these players um, come up into MPL one and see what they can do. Yeah. In MPL one. The, uh, the big disappointment though, Dom, and I, and I, we said, you know, money can't buy you promotions and, I tell you what, hang your head in shames, Inter Lions. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Inter Lions. Well, look, and it might not have bought them a premiership yet, but I have a feeling that uh, it's not too far away. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, for all the money that they spent to the, for the only to only finish on twelve points. It really does ask some questions about the viability of that team as a whole. One last question before we do um, wrap things up here on the show, and it is really about one issue that really did pop up towards the end of the year with a number of the teams, Sophie, starting to advertise for numbers, especially with the June 30 deadline um, coming into play. And we're starting to see pressure being put on NPL New South Wales, not with the growth of the world game and more women being drawn to opportunities in Europe, putting pressure on the A-League women, hence putting pressure on on the NPL New South Wales. What do you see now happening with this competition? Because it gets, it gets the feeling for me that it's just getting younger and younger, the age group now. I did hear a lot of the NPL girls this year say that the NPL and W League are starting to feel more and more similar. And I think that that's because we've obviously had COVID, so there was less internationals in the uh, A-League competition over the last few years. Um, But also the NPL has, like, improved so much. Like, I have the quality of the players is, like, very, very good now. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether, yeah, I think a lot of players and women, I think, would like to go overseas at some point in their career to explore that option due to their obviously being um, a bit more professionalism. It's it's bigger. It's more watched. There's more crowds, um, more money. And I think that, like, that's still growing in Australia. And after we have the World Cup here and everything, that'll definitely grow more. But, yeah, I think that, it might be coming slightly less desired to play in the A-League just because it's not as completely developed as it is in other places. That's going to be a real challenge for NPL because, you know, now all of a sudden you're going to start seeing this competition get squeezed. Yeah. Well, now with the lengthening of the A-League season, I think we've expanded it a little bit for everyone to play everyone twice. That will mean that W-League players can't return to NPL until I think at least with a break after, because there's a mandatory break, I think that, yeah, it'll be a while before W League players can return next year. So it'll really rely on, like, the local talent and teams developing their teams, not just around giving money to A-League players, but actually building a foundation at their clubs. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time here on Splinters. Um, you know, I want to thank my guests here tonight. Dom, I know you've got to go, so I'm going to say goodnight to you very um, very quickly and, and see you off. But uh, thank you for joining us here tonight. No, thank you, Caruso, and thank you, Sophie, and hope the uh, listeners enjoyed this coverage. We'll see you uh, back in 2023 for the preview. Absolutely. Thank you very much there, Dom Rizzuto. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. An absolute pleasure to, to have you on. And I've got to say... You, you got through your first podcast with Flying Colours. Will we see more of you doing this in the future? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. And I definitely think it's something I would want to look into. So 
Thanks for being my very first one. Thank you very much there joining us here. This has been Splinters, the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. On behalf of Sophie Harding and Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.